We're talking about uh, Mother's, mother's Day, and uh, I think when mothers think of their kids, they're one of their prayers is that the kids grow up and have some form of success. And maybe for different mothers, the definition of success might be, might be different things. But there's, uh, there's all kinds of different um, books and resources out there about being successful. Have you noticed that? Um, some books that have been written, The Magic of Thinking Big, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. How many of you have read that one? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, Maybe we're thinking about mothers, so a a lot of mothers in here have read the book, um, What to Expect When You're Expecting. I know that was one that that we used. Um, Seven Words That'll Change Your Family. Grace-Based Parenting. Maybe um, somewhere in the middle school years or the teen years, you pick up the book, uh, How to Have a New Kid by Friday. So we define success in different ways. Um, by, by all definitions of success, the Union County um, sent a group of kids down to somewhere yesterday for the sectionals and track and field, and they're sending a whole crew of, of kids to state. So we've got uh, a, a proud mother here in the second row. Her son qualified for state in four events. And uh, congratulations, Hunter. And I don't know how about how many of you older guys, uh, like myself, you look back to your high school and you think, oh, I was a pretty good athlete. I'll tell you what, I never ran a, mo- a half mile in less than two minutes, but Hunter did yesterday and uh, qualified for state, so good job, Hunter. But, you know, there's so many promises out there for successful living and people are looking for, you know, what are the keys to success? And, and the, lots of good ideas in these books and lots of good principles in these books. Uh, but this morning from, from God's word, we're gonna look at a principle for success and I think it probably trumps any, anything in, in, in most of these books. And it's gonna come from Second Peter. We're gonna start into a study of Second Peter. Uh, it's a little, gonna be shorter than our study of First Peter, just three chapters. Um, but uh, you remember Peter, he was bold, he was outspoken, uh, he's a guy that likes to take action, he was one of Jesus' disciples, um, one of the, uh, they say maybe one of the inner three was Peter, James, and John that seemed to get priority in different ways. Um, and so we, we looked at the book of First Peter, now we're going to look at the book together of Second Peter, and I think it's a great book to start on Mother's Day. And uh, I think that we'll see some keys to success here in these first verses of Second Peter. So if you've got your Bibles, I hope you've turned to Second uh, Peter, got it pulled up on your phone. We're going to read uh, the first 11 verses, we're going to pray and we'll study it together. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, 
and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and, in, and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Forever, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to conform your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way there will be richly provided you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word this morning, help us to understand how your divine power and your divine nature is right there for us to grasp. Uh, Lord, you've given these things to us. Lord, help us to understand how we can partake of them, how we can live a life that's pleasing to you and effective for your kingdom. Uh, effective in the lives of our family members uh, and effective in our community. Lord, would you just guide our time together this morning, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, always, when you're reading the, the, the scripture and you, you get to the start of a new book, particularly in the New Testament, one of the letters that are written, it's easy just to kind of blow past the introductory remarks, but it's also good just to stop and take a look at it for a minute and just see there's a lot of richness uh, that can be enjoyed in the opening verses of these, of these letters that were written. So when we're looking at this, Peter introduces himself as Simon Peter. And you'll remember that Simon was his name given to him at birth. Um, if, you've, uh, if, you've been, if you've watched the, that new series called The Chosen, uh, that's available in a few different ways. Uh, that series paints Peter as kind of a conniving, uh, disrespectful, um, impatient, um, maybe, maybe less than lawful person. And I don't know if, if all those things are true of him or not, but S Simon became a new person when he met Jesus. And of course, Jesus gave him a new name, but Peter still introduced himself as Simon Peter, not forgetting perhaps uh, where, who he was before he met Christ, but also remembering who he is now that he knows Christ. But he also introduces himself as a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. So we looked at this word servant before, it really uh, could more closely be um, translated as slave. In other words, one that has no will of his own, but is only concerned with the will of the master. Whatever the master says, that is all he is interested in. So he is a servant or a slave, and at the same time, he is a commissioned ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so he spent, um, he had this special role of, of apostleship. He's one of the apostles. He was one of Jesus' disciples, and not just one of the disciples, but uh, one of the inner three. Um, and yet, he says, I'm, I'm just a servant. I'm a slave. I'm here to do the will of the master. So he's humble in introducing himself. And he's writing, look at this in the first verse, he's writing to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing. If you've got the King James, you would, you would say a faith, um, or excuse me, a like precious faith. Peter's saying, I, I have the, I'm writing to you and you have the same faith that I have. Peter said, just because I knew Jesus personally, just because I uh, was one of his apostles, just because I had this intimate relationship with Jesus, you've got the same faith 
that I have is what Peter said to his readers. So we could say that we have the same faith that the apostles had. And so first of all, I hope this morning, uh, whether you're here watching online, that you have a faith in Jesus Christ. And if you do, you've got the same faith that Peter has. The things that Peter believed in, we believe in today. The things that Peter held dear to, we hold dear to today. And so Peter's faith is the same as our faith. It's a result of when we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, his righteousness is imputed or put on to us. And so that's a result of our belief on the cross. So the, the faith that the apostles had in Jesus is the same faith that we have today. And then Peter greets them uh, in verse two, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Would you have God's undeserved favor and God's peace in your life, he says. We don't deserve the righteousness of God, but God gives it to us anyways. And, and Peter says, would you have the peace of God in your life because you're in a right relationship with him, but then also the peace of God working through your life in the, in the different circumstances you find yourself in. Tranquility, absence of strife, harmony between people. So that all the, the, the uh, fathers here today and, and the kids, this is what you were trying to create for your for your, your wife or mother today, right? Grace and peace. Now, now the, the favor that you're trying to show your wife or mother this morning probably is deserved favor, right? So the, the little bit of coffee that you made or the breakfast you got ready or maybe the, the lunch you've got planned or a gift that you purchased, um, those are things that the mothers this morning have definitely earned probably uh, in, in ways we could never repay on a Mother's Day. Um, and, and we're trying to give some, some sort of peace and tranquility in the house, right? Did, how many dads had to talk with their kids this weekend, all right? Now, you know Mother's Day is coming up on Sunday, and we're going to get along. We're going to have the house clean. You're going to, uh, you know, do these things for mom. Uh, maybe you had those conversations. So we're trying to bring peace and tranquility and harmony into the home today. And Peter's saying, my prayer is that God's grace, God's favor would be in your life and God's peace would be in your life and that it would be multiplied. Notice that it would be in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And this is going to be a theme of Second Peter. Peter in this book is talking about the knowledge of God that we have. He'll stress that uh, throughout the book. Without the knowledge of God, if we don't know who God is, if we don't understand who we are, if we don't know what God's done for us, then we won't understand the grace and peace of God that we can have in our lives. So if we had God's grace, and we do, if we had God's peace in our lives, and we do, boy, wouldn't that be, you would say, man, that was more, that's more than I deserve, that'd be more than enough. But Peter's really just gonna get getting started with that, and verse three is where we really wanna start to focus in this morning. Let me read it again. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. I, I memorized as a kid, I memorized this verse in the NIV. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And that's been a real encouragement to me over the years. And for the, um, I think especially for mothers, this is an encouragement to you today. God's divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. We've got young mothers here this morning and they're just smiling because they're here, 
right? All the kids, they, they've got, they think they have all the kids, they're pretty sure all the kids have shoes on, and they're just, they're thrilled to be here this morning. For the, for the young mothers that are, that are, you know, chasing kids around, asking like the, the, or answering, excuse me, the hundreds of but why questions that young mothers get, cleaning up messes, his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. We got moms with, of teenagers and young adults, and, and that would be, that's where we are right now. Uh, two graduates this month, getting ready to start college, getting ready to start their lives as young adults. Uh, maybe you've got teenagers that think that uh, you don't know anything anymore, moms, and uh, you just, you're, you're out of touch with reality, like you used to kind of know what you were talking about, but not anymore. Um, maybe you're the teen. Or young adult that thinks, man, mom's just out there now. Dad, they've lost it. But for the parents of, of teens and young adults, his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Uh, maybe we've we got moms here with grown children, uh, children who are, who are, who've moved off. They're on their own. You don't get to see them so much anymore. You, you're, you know, you're expecting that phone call today because you're not going to have time to spend with them. They're raising their families. They're doing their things. Uh, some are following the Lord. Some have chosen to go their own way. His divine power, mom, has given you everything you need for life and godliness. So when we talk about his divine power, we're talking about the power with which God created the world, the power with which God split the Red Sea so the Israelites could go through, the power with which God gave to Samson so he could defeat the Philistines, the power that Jesus used to heal the lame and give sight to the blind, the power with which God raised Jesus from the dead has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Well, if we could put a sign-up sheet, a, a, a link to that on that QR code, you'd all have your phones out right now, right? And you think, man, I would like that. Where can I sign up for that? How, how is that available to me personally? Because uh, I'm a young mom and I don't feel that. Or uh, I know we got dads here and we got, we got everyone else in between. And you're like, man, that would be great, but I'm not experiencing that. It's through our knowledge of God. First of all, uh, we could call that our saving knowledge of him. So when we come to this understanding that we're sinners in need of a savior and that God provided a way to have a relationship through, with him through his son Jesus, we put our faith and trust in his death on the cross, we receive that divine power. Okay, if, you're, if you get, got your, ver your Bible there, read it with me. His divine power has granted to us all things. That's past tense. It's not something that we're earning, it's not something that we're hoping to acquire or attain, something that maybe one day we'll get to. It is ours already. It's been given to us for all things. Um, it's not something that we're, we're, we're working towards and maybe we get it, maybe we don't. If you're a follower of Christ, then you have his divine power in your life and it's through our knowledge of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And notice he's, he's given us this, this power for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. It says, who called us, and this is who God is, he called us to his own glory and to excellence. As a result of our salvation, we, we are waiting an eternity in glory, but he's also calling us to live a life of excellence or a life of virtue right here on this earth. And so we look forward to that heavenly calling that's coming to us one day, but we also 
um, look to live a life of excellence for him while we're here on this earth. So we have his divine power because of our knowledge of him, this knowledge where we came to know Jesus, but we also, um, this knowledge that's referenced in verse three is also referenced as we get to verse four. So his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, you could put in parentheses, describing who him is, who called us to his own glory and excellence, but if you take that parentheses away, through our knowledge of him, and this is the knowledge by which he granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you might become partakers of the divine nature. Through our knowledge of God, which comes from his word, we become aware of his great and precious promises to us, and through these promises, we can become partakers, participants of his divine nature. Now this is, this, this should be, we should be smiling right now, okay? This is exciting things. So what are the great and precious promises? Well, Peter doesn't list them out for us. I think that we could say uh, maybe the greatest, um, ma- the greatest promise that, that was given to us was when Jesus told his disciples, look, I'm leaving, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I will send a helper, I will send a comforter to be with you, which is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who indwells us as believers, the Holy Spirit who seals us for the day of redemption. He comforts us, he leads us, he guides us. He empowers us, he gives us gifts for the work of the ministry. The Holy Spirit is uh, perhaps the greatest gift that God has given to us and it's where we get the power, this divine power that we're talking about. But the scriptures are full of other promises as well. If we read the scriptures, if we study them, if we look into them, we'll see that he's promised to comfort us. He promises to restore our joy, to be our refuge and shield, to give us hope, to love us, to hear our prayers, to bring good out of suffering, to be faithful, to sustain us, to be with us. We need to know and understand his word. We need to have knowledge of his word so that we understand what the promises say so that we can experience God's divine nature in our lives. Let me tell you this story. It's uh, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. If you believe this source, I don't know, but it makes a good story anyways. Hetty Green, they say that she is the biggest miser who ever lived. In 1862, she was 30 years old when her father passed away. He left his inheritance to her, which in, in our currency today would be the equivalent of $100 million. Pretty good start, age 30, pretty good inheritance. So it was especially unusual in that day, but she was involved in banking and investments. Her, her, her father had been a broker and his father before him, so she kind of grew up in the family business. She was very good with the money, and she, she concentrated all of her efforts and attention on growing the family fortune. She was known for eating cold oatmeal or taking her oatmeal to work with her and setting it on top of the radiator to warm it because she did not want to waste the money on fuel to heat her oatmeal. She'd wear one, one dress or garment in, until it wore out, and then she would get another one. She would only wash the hem of her dresses so that she could save soap. Why waste soap on the, on the parts of the garment that weren't that dirty? 
Some called her the Queen of Wall Street, others called her the Witch of Wall Street. Her, when her son Ned broke his leg as a boy, she tried to have him treated in a free clinic for the poor before she treated him at home. And he later had to have that leg amputated. You're hoping your mom doesn't treat you like that, right? <laughs> when she died in 1916, so quick math, 50-something years later, uh, Hetty Green was worth the equivalent of somewhere around $4 billion today in today's currency. But she was alone and she was miserable. She had it all, but she lived like she had nothing. And this morning in Christ, we have it all. And we need to live like it. We have his divine power with the ability to experience his divine nature. So, okay, in light of that fact, we have his divine power. It says through his promises we can experience his divine nature. Let's read these next verses. Verse five says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours, I'll, I'll read that in a minute. Okay, so for our mothers this morning, whether you're here, you're watching online, you were starting to get excited there, weren't you? Divine nature, divine power, and now what, what do I do to you? I give you a list of seven things to do, right? <laughs> You're thinking, man, I, a, a list of seven things that I just don't have time for. Doesn't he know how busy I am? Maybe some of you look at that list and think, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. If, and if these other mothers would just work a little bit harder, they could do pretty good themselves. As, as Pastor Jerry would say, I've heard that some people think that way. Not that anyone here would think that way. But here's some encouragement for all of us. These virtues are not from human nature. These virtues come from God's divine nature. These vir virtues are evidence in, in those of us who are participating in that divine nature. Let's just look at them real quickly. Faith. It's a belief in God and Jesus' work on the cross. Virtue, just talking about moral living, living a life that's pleasing to God. Knowledge, an idea of understanding of, of God and his word and his commandments. Self-control, the idea of just of being able to control your passions and your desires and your emotions. Steadfastness, this idea of patience and endurance. It's the ability to maintain your faith and your loyalty to God no matter what circumstance you find yourself in. Godliness, just reverence and respect for God and who he is. Brotherly affection, it's that Greek word Philadelphia. It's, uh, it's, it's love that siblings would have for each other when they're loving well. And then the final uh, virtue here is love, or agape love, the love that comes only from God, a love that keeps loving no matter what, no matter how you're treated, you will, tr you will love and endure with love uh, the way that God's loved us. Look, we're not gonna do these things on our own. It says here at the beginning in verse five, 
make every effort to supplement your faith and it starts down the list. But when it says make every effort, it's this idea that we must make a decision that this is how we're going to live knowing that it's his divine power that has given us everything we need to live in this way. We need to stop trying harder for God. Okay, God, another list, I'll write it down and I'll do my best and you know, today looks good and tomorrow's okay and Tuesday's not bad and by Wednesday it's just falling apart, right? But we need to take on this attitude of, I can't, God, but you can. I don't, have, I don't have patience, God, but the fruit of the Spirit includes patience. So today I'm gonna choose to be patient and I'm gonna trust you to give me the patience that I need. Or God, my love for this person is gone. Like I just don't love them anymore. The emotions, the feelings, it's gone. But God, I believe love is a choice and so I will choose to act and live in a loving way and I'll trust that your divine power will give me everything I need to be the loving person you want me to be. That your divine power will allow me to experience this divine nature of loving people when I don't feel like loving. The list, it starts with faith and begins with our faith in Jesus Christ and it culminates with the greatest commandment to love God and to love one another. So there is a a sense of responsibility on our part. We must choose to make the effort. But make the decision for godly living and God promises that his divine power gives us the ability to experience the divine nature. We saw in the the book of 1 Peter that he just likes to say what he thinks. He can be very blunt, he can be very straightforward and we see this here in the next few verses. Uh, He says, if these qualities or if these virtues or if these characteristics are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to conform your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, I think this morning, probably in this room for sure, but a lot of Christians have a sincere desire to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. Would you agree with that? Like there's a sincerity there. If that's your hope, if that's your prayer, if that's the desire for your life, then these qualities should be yours and in an increasing manner. That's what, that's what Peter says. He's, he's very straightforward. We should be growing in, in these things. If we want to be effective for God, we should be growing in, 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 uh, in love and in virtue and self-control and patience and godliness. These things keep us from being ineffective and unfruitful. So in other words, if you want to be effective, if you want to be fruitful, then make an effort to see these increasing in your life. And remember when I say make an effort, we're saying I'm gonna make a decision to do it and I'm gonna trust God that he will give me the power to make it happen because I can't do it on my own. 
If you don't, if you lack these qualities, and be, let's be honest with ourselves this morning, let's look at the list and say, okay, I lack this, I lack that, I'm doing okay here by God's grace. But if you lack these qualities, you are so nearsighted that you're blind, having forgotten that you are cleansed from your former sins. Now I was nearsighted, farsighted, right? Which one's which? Nearsighted means you can see up close, but you can't see what's far away. He's saying you can't see past the end of your nose to remember that there's a future in heaven waiting for us, but all you're concerned about is just today. Just concern for myself, concern for my own satisfaction, concern for my own pleasure. Of course, remember guys, we're making the effort today to not be that way for our wives, but Peter's saying don't be nearsighted that that's your lifestyle. Just concern for yourself. Look beyond. There's a world out there that needs to know that Jesus is alive and that he's, he could be their savior. There's a world out there that needs to know to be encouraged to, to walk in their faith. And there's a heaven waiting for us. We can't be so nearsighted that we're just living for ourselves for today, not considering the future. Peter says, that's what you're doing if you don't have these qualities. He says, conform to your calling and election. Remember, verse three said, through our knowledge of him, he called us to his own glory and excellence. He wants us to both remember that there's eternity ahead, but also live a life of virtue, a life of love while we're here. He says, conform to that. That's conform to your calling. And when you practice these things, you never fail. There's an eternity with our Savior waiting for us, Peter's saying. Let's live like it today. And you say, okay, Pastor Jeff, more of the same, more of the same. Right? God saved us, heaven's waiting for us, so make sure you live like it. You've said that over and over again. Moms, I gotta make sure that the dads are still with us. Can you, will you let me do that? You, you might have heard of Steph Curry, an NBA point guard for the Los Angeles Clippers. Famil- people familiar with Steph Curry? All right, three times he's been, he's been on the championship team, two times the league MVP. Voted seven times to the all-star team. Uh, one year he led the lead in, league in scoring, five years he, he had the most three-pointers, four years, uh, highest free throw percentage, one year he led the league in steals. L- like the list of his um, accomplishments goes on and on and on. This guy's an amazing basketball player, but you guys know that. You can say, man, it just comes naturally to a guy like him. Um, in the last six weeks, he's, Curry's in the news like every night, and he was just, he had like just a record-breaking month of April, and that, you know how that is, they keep, they keep stats, like he's done, he's scored more points in four games than anyone, and I don't, you know, they're doing all these things, but he's averaging 37.3 points, 6.1 rebounds, 4.6 assists, shooting 51.8% from the field and 46.6% from the three-point line. Okay, moms, I'm just about done. Okay, if you, if you know basketball, you know how impressive Steph Curry's playing right now and how he's played for his career. If you don't, I mean, he's, the best, he's one of the best of the best. Like him or not, he's an amazing basketball player. Let me tell you some interesting things about him. During the off-season, so, you know, when the, when the season's not happening, he averages, on average, takes 500 shots a day. During the season, after practice is over and everyone goes to the locker room, he takes an extra 300 shots on average. 
on game days before the team goes out to do their warm-ups, an hour and a half before the game, he goes out for a 20-minute warm-up where he shoots over 150 shots before the game starts. He doesn't quit. He doesn't just, he doesn't ride on his accomplishments. He just continually works with diligence. He repeats and practices the important things over and over and over again. This is what Peter says. He must have been thinking his readers were thinking these things. He says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right as long as I am this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made it clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Peter says, I know you've heard this before, but I'm telling it to you again, and I'm going to tell it to you in the future, because these are the basics. It's important to see these virtues in our lives because it indicates that we are effective and that we are fruitful in the kingdom of God. Peter says our faith, our knowledge, our self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love should be increasing as we trust God to do it in us. He's also made it really clear that these virtues are not something that we generate from within, but God has given us divine power to experience his divine nature as we live out these virtues. And I would, I, would, I would agree with Peter here. He says, I'm reminding you of these qualities, although I know that you know them and you are established in the truth. I know that you know these things. I know that you're established in many of these things, but we need to be reminded that we need to ever be increasing in these things. And, uh, you know, I, I look around and we've got some amazing mothers in this group this morning modeling God's divine nature to us each and every day. And I just want to say thank you to our mothers for allowing God to produce and display these virtues to be the, be the example to us. And some of you are like, man, I don't know. This, it's been a rough go. It's been a rough week. It's been a rough month. It's been a rough year. I think I've done better in the past. You can do this thing called mothering. Not because you need to muster it up and try harder, but because his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness and mothering. Be sure to trust in the power of God to make you the mother that he's called you to be. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, I'm just, I truly am humbled here this morning as I, I think of the, the mothers that are, are here this morning, the mothers that are uh, represented in our church family, the mothers that have, have raised uh, kids to love you, to serve you, uh, to seek after you with their hearts. Lord, we talk about being successful and, and you know, ultimately when it comes to kids, boy, we just want to have our children follow after you. And Lord, I know that's the heart of so many mothers here uh, this morning, and they've, they've just poured their lives into seeing that happen, Lord. And I ask that as, as they continue to give and to live sacrificial lives, 
that they would recognize, Lord, that this isn't something that they're doing on their own, that this is something that you've empowered them to do, that you've uniquely made them to do. Uh, The role of the mother can be accomplished by no one but the mother, Lord, and I pray that uh, the moms here today would be encouraged that they can... They can live a life of love, a life of godliness, a a life of great virtue when they put their faith and trust in you, not just for their salvation, but for the power to live their lives every day in a way that's pleasing to you. Lord, I pray that each one of us would be challenged by this reminder this morning to not give up on the basics, the basics of loving one another, of encouraging one another, of having self-control, of being patient, of living a godly life, showing brotherly love. Lord, I pray that as we seek to do these things, as we seek to, as we make choices to do these things, that we would rightly acknowledge, Lord, we can't do these things on our own, but we put our faith and trust in you that you can power us to do it. And Lord, would you allow us to experience your nature as we do these things? Lord, thank you for the mothers in our lives, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.